I really think today's Acoustic Tuesday show is going to resonate with you. Thanks for indulging me in that dad joke. On today's show, I'll be sharing with you two resonator guitars from my guitar arsenal that don't get a lot of time in the spotlight. These two resos are certainly eye-catching, and I do believe they will catch your ear after you hear them. I'll be giving you the spec rundown of each of these guitars, telling you why I've added them to my guitar arsenal, and you're going to hear each of these in action. Hey TAC family, this is episode 285 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more progress, fulfillment, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Along with sharing these wonderful guitars with you today, I'll also deliver to you some acoustic news you can use, which includes somewhere you need to be at the end of August of this year, a new ear-bending show you need to check out, and much, much more. Plus, I'll do a, a comment and question roundup from a few past episodes of the Acoustic Tuesday show, but first, let's dig into these Resonator guitars. We're gonna kick things off with this National Supro Collegian in a Duco finish. I want you to hear it first, so let's do that. of this guitar, I'm gonna go off the top of my head. I never received a spec sheet with this guitar. I bought it used. That story will come here in a little bit. And I do believe this is a custom built instrument. The serial number would certainly indicate so. It's like 16A. So it seems like a very early built or uh, prototype style instrument. This is a newly made uh, national guitar built on the specs of a Supro Collegian. I don't know the exact crossover between national and Supro, but this is modeled after a Supro Collegian, I believe from maybe the late 30s. Again, I'm not entirely sure because I did buy this used. This is a steel body resonator guitar, a single cone, a single biscuit cone. It's got the bark, it's got the bite, it's got the classic circle cover plate on it with the circles kind of cut out of it, which I believe is significant to those Supro Collegian models. You'll notice that the finish is kind of a mustard yellow done in a Duco style. Now this is a specific style of finishing in which the, the paint or finish or color, not exactly sure which, kind of has this wonderful uh, uh, frozen ice type of effect where no two finishes are alike because of the way the finish dries. Uh, the finish is done by B Fanatic Guitar Works and I believe he's out in Oregon? Washington, somewhere around there. He's one of the only people that does this finish and he does it for national guitars. You can see the cutout F holes right here. You've got a rosewood fingerboard with dot inlay. The fingerboard is bound in ivoroid binding and the grain is going kind of cross grain. It's a really cool visual effect. The neck, I do believe, is mahogany, but a light pore-filled mahogany. Uh, so it kind of takes this wonderful sunburst really well and kind of shows the character of the wood. You've got a solid headstock, three on a plate, vintage-style tuners, and the Supro badge kind of tacked in to the top of the headstock. Now, before I tell you how I got this instrument, let's go ahead and listen to it again. Mm -hmm. 
Now I mentioned I got this instrument used. One of the fellows I used to work with at Music Villa, Blaze, I used to be in a band with him. He's actually one of the first people I played live music with here when I moved to Bozeman back in 2008. Uh, he was in a band called Jawbone Railroad, and I kind of tried out for the band, which was a fun way to, to meet different musicians. And then later on, we were in a rock band called Power Wagon. He played guitar, I played bass, and I worked with him at Music Villa for, well, forever. Uh, basically from when I started at Music Villa to when I left Music Music Villa. He's actually still there. Well, he had this guitar. Blaze is a great slide guitar player. He had this guitar and I heard he was selling it. So I thought to myself, I, I, would, I would like to be in line for that instrument. So I called Blaze. We worked out a deal. Uh, the deal went down. I got this instrument and really knew nothing about it other than that it was a custom guitar built for a friend of his. And the guitar didn't quite match the specs that this individual wanted, so Blaze got it from him, and then I in turn got it from Blaze. I love this guitar for a very specific style of play. You probably gathered what it is already, but before I tell you that, let's listen to it. This guitar is in my guitar snow purely because of slide guitar playing. Now I would not normally say, oh, you have to have a specific guitar for slide because I've played slide on many other guitars. But this guitar, between the way it's set up and the way it sounds, it just, it just yearns for a slide. It really does. The steel body and the single cone create this wonderful resonant effect that almost, this guitar has this beautiful internal reverb to it, this wonderful ring that lends itself well to slide playing. The setup is a little bit higher than I'd like it, but again, that translates fantastic into slide playing. Now as for strings on this guitar, the Santa Cruz Parabolic Tension, uh, Santa Cruz Parabolic Mid-Tension strings are my go-to. I keep this guitar specifically tuned into open G because it just sounds I don't know, I gotta tell you, it just sounds so good with a slide. It's got this crispness, this bark, this bite, it's got plenty of volume, and it has the right amount of decay. It doesn't sustain forever, it kind of decays a little bit quicker, which makes kind of for, for wonderful snappy slide passages. Let's go ahead and listen to it just one more time. <laughs> has an awesome story as well. I did purchase it used. We'll get there in a moment, but first the specs on this National Estralita Deluxe. This is a fully laminate guitar. The sides, the back, the top are all laminate. And you might think to yourself, Tone, why would you go for a laminate guitar? Why wouldn't you want solid wood? Well, because this is a wood bodied resonator guitar, the laminate actually lends itself well to it being punchy and direct. 
So I think it's a really good match. We've got a laminate maple top, laminate walnut back and sides, and the top is just, well, it's just gorgeous as you have seen. A beautiful kind of orange sunburst on it. As I mentioned, it is a single cone resonator guitar, a biscuit style resonator. It has the punch, it has the bark, it has the bite, but with a little bit more warmth because the body is made of wood. You'll notice it does have a pickup on it. This is the National Slimline pickup a delicious sounding pickup. I actually can use this in an acoustic amp and it sounds great. I can also use this in an electric amp and it sounds great. It picks up the strings wonderfully well. Uh, and speaking of strings, these are nickel wound medium gauge strings. I prefer the Diodario ones, Diodario, Diodario. I think it's Diodario. We'll go with the Dario, uh, the nickel strings, and uh, they just sound good. They sound good acoustically, and they're a great match for the pickup as well. You've got a rosewood fingerboard with diamond inlay on it. Uh, the, the body is bound in ivoroid, as is the neck, but the grain orientation on the ivoroid is different. Uh, the grain orientation on the body is long ways, and the grain orientation of the ivoroid binding on the neck is uh, short ways, I guess, perpendicular to the neck. Uh, the neck is mahogany, and we've got a slotted head headstock, a slot head headstock with a wonderful mother of pearl, perloid, um, not mother of pearl, sorry, perloid uh, head cap with engraving. You see the national logo right up there. You've got slot head tuners, three on a plate national tuners, and just a um, just an all around great blues and ragtime instrument. I'll get to the story here in a bit, but let's listen to it again. from Dave's Guitar Shop in Wisconsin. I actually just got it a couple of weeks ago, so it's pretty new to me. However, it is a used instrument. And this came from a time when National Guitars, I think, had some issues with their finish. Uh, there's a lot of bubbling of the finish on this guitar, specifically on the back. I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if it's coming across on the camera, but you can certainly see it uh, on the neck right here. The finish is just kind of coming right off the wood. And I guess at first that kind of bummed me out. It was disclosed in the listing. Uh, it kind of bummed me out, but then I thought, you know, I've looked at wood-bodied nationals from the 30s. Those guitars barely have any finish left on them, so why would this be any different? If it sounds good, then it is good, and as long as the finish separation doesn't affect my playing, I guess I don't really care. So I ended up taking the plunge, I got the guitar, I am so happy with it. But even though I just got it recently, my love affair with the Estralita began a long, long time ago. Probably 2007 is when I first heard the name Estralita Deluxe. And my friend, coworker at the time, Ed Dverdek, who worked at the Old Town School of Folk Music with me, he lusted after a national. And he ended up getting an Estralita Deluxe. When I heard him play it, I thought, Whenever I have a chance, that's the wood body resonator I'm going to get to play round neck finger style guitar. 
And it took me, I don't know, 2007 to 2023. I'm not a math guy some amount of years uh, to get my hands on one and I'm so happy I did because the sound that was burned into my brain when I first heard Ed play is the exact sound I heard out of this when I opened up the case and got to play this for the first time. An absolute delightful instrument. Uh, special shout out to Dave's Guitar Shop. I've actually purchased a number of guitars from them, both used, uh, actually all of them used, and they've always done a great job listing the instruments giving full disclosure as to what's going on with the instrument. They ship it extremely well packed, insured, and I've never had issues. So I'm very, very happy with my experience at Dave's Guitar Shop. This is by no means an ad for them or I'm not you know, endorsed by Dave's. Nobody's paying me to say this. I just wanted to give credit where credit's due. Uh, so with that, I'm gonna tell you why this is in my guitar arsenal in a bit, but first, let's give it another play. in my guitar arsenal. Quite simply for blues and ragtime finger picking in standard tuning. I wanted a resonator guitar that was a little bit more reserved. You know, I've got a number of steel body resonator guitars that have this wonderful cutting punch and articulation, but I wanted something that was a little more reserved that I could really thump the bass on without it overpowering everything. That's why this guitar is in my guitar arsenal. I absolutely love playing thumpy fingerstyle ragtime and blues on this instrument. The way this guitar is set up is the action is super low, so I still get the bark of the resonator, but I get the playability of a lot of my flat top, you know, wooden steel string guitars. I love the way that this guitar has this barky mid-range. Almost think of it like uh, how it sounds when you talk through a telephone. Now, that's something you don't associate with quote-unquote good sounding, but for the right style of music, it's a perfect match. And again, blues and ragtime are it. This guitar just wants to play it. Uh, it seems to fall under my fingers when I play it, and I think a lot of that has to do with, of course, the way it's set up, but also the tone that it produces. It really lends itself well to that, which makes playing it in those styles almost that much easier. Uh, so let's let's bid a, a last farewell to this guitar and hear it just, just one more time because I do love it so much. Thank you. 
I'm not done with my resonator guitars quite yet. We're gonna do a resonator acoustic Tuesday show part two, where we look at some more round neck resonators from my guitar arsenal. But again, I just wanna be clear that I'm doing these shows about my guitar arsenal not to show you what I have in a, in a braggadocious fashion. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm not trying to brag about what I have. What I'm trying to do is show you what I have, why I have it, because it, help, it may help you, it may help inform decisions that you make for guitars in your guitar arsenal to kind of get in my brain and understand why I pick certain guitars for certain things or certain styles, etc. So with that, since we're on the topic of resonator guitars and we know that I'm gonna share some more in a future episode of Acoustic Tuesday, I'm curious as to if you have a resonator guitar in your guitar arsenal. And if you do, let me know what kind it is in the comments below. I'd love for this comment section to serve as kind of a, a resource of resonators, a resonator resource for other guitar geeks maybe who are watching the show that are thinking of adding a uh, resonator guitar to their guitar arsenal. Uh, it'd be cool to see what you play if you do have a resonator guitar or if you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm about ready to take the plunge and get myself a resonator guitar. Uh, let me know that in the comments as well. Okay. We'll put the brakes on resonators for right now. Again, I'll pick these up uh, in, a, in a future Acoustic Tuesday show. Uh, but first, let me grab the desk, get everything back and situated so we can dig into some acoustic news you can use. For your first dose of acoustic news you can use, I've got one quick little nugget for you, and it's an artist series guitar that was just released. Limited to, I believe, only 300 instruments, the Chris Stapleton Epiphone Frontier. This is just a cool looking guitar. I gotta be honest, you know, I don't even know exactly how good it sounds. I haven't had a chance to play one, but the double pickguard, I'm a sucker for the double pickguard, let alone a double Epiphone Frontier pickguard, which is I think one of the most ornate pickguards that exists in the acoustic guitar world. I should say in the Gibson world. I know there's a lot of engraved and inlaid pickguards, I, let me just say, this one's cool. And I think they did a great job of designing this model on a guitar that isn't all that common, to be honest. And then with the double pickguard, mm, chef's kiss. Anyways, let's look at a quick little uh, info video. Infomercial? I don't know. Gibson made a video about this guitar and I thought it was well done. Chris Stapleton talks pretty awesomely about the guitar, so let's hear him talk about it. Well, I've always been a fan of the aesthetic of the Epiphone Frontier that was made in the early 60s. Uh, through the late 60s, I think, and um, it's just a guitar that was never reissued, and there weren't a lot of, there's a whole lot of old ones, you know, there's not a lot, you don't, they don't come up that often, and like many old things, they're always in various states of disrepair and things like that. So, uh, you know, a dream of mine for a long time, I bugged Gibson for a long time to make this Epiphone Frontier, and, and you know, the double pit guard is kind of a thing that didn't really exist on all Frontiers, but probably was on a few custom ordered ones somewhere. I saw one one time and it, you know, it's always a look that I love because this pick, the pick art is so beautiful on this thing. I don't know, I just love the look of the guitar and I always wanted one and I never had one. So, so that was probably the main reason um, for me kind of bugging them to make one. The, the pink interior on the, on the Gibson case is a very, uh, you know, Gibson thing to do, have, have that pink interior. So I wanted that kind of nod to um, you know, the history of, of the company. But, you know, the, the exterior Tolex is, is more uh, of a Western theme, which I feel kind of carries into what the pickguards do and the, and the whole 
a static of this uh, this guitar. Like I've even worn the edge off this bridge already. <laughs> like 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 if you see this one and then you feel on this one, it's actually worn off, you know. So they're releasing this guitar during the 150th anniversary of Epiphone. So to be uh, a part of such a long-standing brand in some small way. I love to be parts of things like that, um, particularly in a revivalist kind of way, you know, like reviving something that hadn't existed since the early 60s uh, makes me feel good. And n not because I had a wonderful idea and made this up, somebody else made this up back in the 60s, but it's, it's worth celebrating. And to be a brand that long, I think is worth celebrating uh, in any business, not just the guitar business, but uh, it's really a remarkable thing that they've, you know, uh, lasted. Pretty limited run. It may very well have sold out already. I feel like Gibson's really good at making these limited runs that they sell out uh, rather quickly. But anyways, something I thought that was really cool, and the guitar that I've certainly lusted after, maybe not that exact one, not the Chris Stapleton model, but an Epiphone Frontier. I first saw Phoebe Bridgers play one. Um, they did this kind of hotel room performance at South by Southwest, I believe it was, and she had an Epiphone Frontier, and right away, that's when that guitar came on my radar. And then seeing this, I thought it was a cool full circle moment. Uh, speaking of guitar, why don't you go ahead and pull your guitar out, because we're gonna see what the TAC family is working on today. Day. Every week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, the TAC family works on the five essential skills to learn any song faster. These five essential skills, when you develop fluency in them, you learn songs faster. They start to just simply fall under your finger, under your fingers. And every again, every week the TAC family rotates through these five essential skills. Monday, it's an uh, wow. I've done this so many times, my brain is just skipping beats. Uh, Monday, it's a technique challenge. Tuesday. Tuesday's a guitar lick challenge, Wednesday's an improvisation challenge, Thursday's a rhythm guitar challenge, and Friday's a chord transition challenge. I could have I could have started over, but I thought, you know, the momentum was rolling. We may as well go with it. Uh, today is Tuesday. The TAC family is working on a guitar lick, and here's what they're working on. Your Tuesday TAC guitar lick challenge is named Home Before Daylight because it's actually pulled from Grateful Dead's Friend of the Devil. Not necessarily exactly, but inspired by for certain. Let me go ahead and play it for you and then I'll break it down as to where you can use this while you play. Okay, here's how today's challenge sounds. Just a nice little lick that takes you from eh, the middle of the guitar neck and brings you back down. Using open strings, it has this wonderful movement, and I want to tell you why it insinuates that movement here in a moment. But first, TAC family, if you want to learn this note for note, please log in. This is your daily challenge for today. Go ahead and click start. That'll take you right to the teaching video where I teach it to you note for note, then move to the play along video. Once you get there, you can adjust the speed by clicking in the 1x icon in the lower right hand corner. Adjust it to a speed that's comfortable for you and don't forget to pull up that tab by clicking on that tab icon in the lower right hand corner. I always have a hard time saying tab icon. It turns into like teb icon. I don't know. My brain does funny things. Anyways, this lick is very much, uh, you could place it in the bluegrass setting pretty firmly um, because it has kind of that vibe of bluegrass. It kind of contains a kickoff to a bluegrass song like this. <laughs> ¶¶ 
So it's almost a, you kind of get a bonus purpose from this lick. You can, you can use it to kick off a bluegrass song. But really what I want you to look at this lick as is one of two things, as a fill in between strumming, which I'll show you here in a moment, but also during a guitar solo when the chords change from a G to a C. Let me first play it for you uh, as a fill, and then I'll play the lick and then play a G to C progression. You can kind of hear how the two line up. Here is the lick as a fill. Maybe you could use that at the end of a verse, or if you're kind of strumming a G chord to uh, kick off a song, maybe do something a little bit more melodically interesting than just simply strumming the chord. Now, that second scenario that you can use this is when the chords move from a G to a C. I'm gonna play the lick, and then I'll play that G to C chord change, so you can kind of hear that the lick pretty much mirrors that chord change, which is really the whole goal when you're playing a guitar solo. Okay, here's how that sounds. cool little scenario. In fact, when you see that G to C change and you know this lick, your eyes should light up because you could say, oh gosh, I know something that'll fit that exact scenario. Pretty cool lick, one that I think you'll find a lot of use from. And even if you don't get the full thing, you can just pull a little chunk out of it and it can be extremely useful. That end piece where it's a, just a bunch of pull-offs against uh, from the open D string, rather from the fretted D string to the open G string like this. <laughs> That in and of itself is incredibly useful. You can use it to spice up your rhythm playing, something like this. So even that little piece is incredibly useful. And that's what I wanna encourage you to do. You know, when you're learning guitar licks, really when you're learning anything on the guitar, maybe you're learning a song, maybe you're trying to pick up a solo, always zoom out and kind of take in the bigger picture. You know, you might be learning something for a specific song, but it impacts your playing in so many different areas. That's why within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, every single week, we focus on the five essential skills. And you're probably familiar with that by now because Every week on the show, I bring it up. On Mondays, they do a technique challenge. On Tuesdays, the TAC fam does a guitar lick challenge, hence this little segment. On Wednesdays, an improvisation challenge. Thursdays, a rhythm guitar challenge. And Fridays, a chord transition challenge. Those five skills are required to learn any song and learn them fast. So the more that you sink into those five skills, the more that you're fluent in those five skills, the quicker things fall under your fingers, whether you're learning a new song, etc but it works both ways, right? If you're learning a new song and you target a specific lick, always think to yourself, gosh, how can I use this in other areas of my playing? I think you'll be amazed at the impact that it has. Okay, back to the show.
Next up, I wanna visit some comments from past Acoustic Tuesday episodes. There's a, a few episodes here. We're gonna do uh, comments from the flat picking episode, the Hudson Dalton episode, and the Muddy Waters episode. So let's dig right in. Uh, this first one comes from Luke Willoughby. He left this comment on the flat picking episode. It's really actually a question, less of a comment. He says, hello all, hope you all are doing well. Does anyone have any personal experience, tips, recommendations for someone possibly getting into tenor guitar? I've been kind of creeping around that space and I'm gathering information before I buy one. And so any information or experiences would be very helpful. Have a good one, y'all. Uh, Luke, thanks for the question. Uh, please, uh, Acoustic Tuesday viewers, if you have any tips or any experience with tenor guitars, please leave them in the comments below. I'll share what I know. And there's really two things that I'm aware of at this moment. Uh, if you're not looking to spend a lot of money uh, I believe it's still in production. Gold Tone makes a tenor guitar that might be of interest to you. So make sure to check that out. I actually think Blue Ridge, now that I'm talking about it, I think Blue Ridge, at least they had made one in the past. They may currently, uh, still be currently making them, but you probably can find a used Blue Ridge tenor guitar for a, a decent price on Reverb or, or any used guitar market. Um, also on the tenor guitar note, I will mention this. You can start to foray into the vintage world for not vintage prices, if that makes any sense. I think you can find old uh, vintage Martin tenor guitars, usually 17 series guitars uh, for right around 1500 bucks. Not necessarily cheap, but in the world of vintage guitar, not expensive at all. Again, context plays a big role here. And then also Gibson made a lot of tenor guitars, I believe in the uh, 60s, I want to say the 60s, kind of during the folk boom, because the tenor guitar was was a pretty hot item then. So make sure to check those out. A lot of times, again, you can get a vintage guitar, a vintage tenor guitar for not a vintage guitar price. So hopefully that helps. And again, Acoustic Tuesday viewers, if you have any info for Luke, go ahead and plop that in the comments below. Uh, the next comment also comes from the flat picking episode, episode 281. If you missed that, make sure to check it out. It comes from Tab 75 Draws. Love the episode and flat picking exercises. I just joined TAC last week. Today was my first Tuesday lick challenge. I was nervous trying this first lick, but surprised myself by playing it through. Not at full speed, but still felt great to be able to play it at all. Thanks. Congratulations, that aw that's awesome. Thanks for joining the TAC fam and way to just kind of set fear aside and just dig into the lick and see what happens. And lo and behold, boom, you got to play through it. That's awesome. And it's really not about speed. It's about just focusing, right? Maybe you only got a piece of the lick. That's still more than maybe you had when you first started, sit uh, started uh, sitting down with the guitar for that particular day. So congratulations, that's awesome. Uh, next comment comes from Robert Johnson. Probably not the Robert Johnson we're all thinking of, but pretty cool name for a guitar geek, I'll say that much. This comes from the, the Hudson Dalton episode, and he says this, love the guitars you featured. I had never heard of the manufacturers before doing this video. If you do go for goalies, think seriously about Linus Allmark of the Boston Bruins. He's having a fabulous year, including scoring a goal the other day. They are my team. Two things, Robert. Um, actually, a couple things. I'm going to unpack this a little bit. Um, I, I am having a blast watching Linus Allmark of the Boston Bruins this year because it seems like between him and Swayman, they're just having fun. And to me, that's when you play your best, when you're just having fun. Obviously, I'm no NHL goalie, but um, it seems like fun and playing at a, at a high level are two things that go hand in hand. Okay. 
Now, he's referring to me asking about which jersey I should get for my next jersey. Now, I'm looking at all my jerseys. I got them on a couch over here. All of my Blackhawks jerseys, except for one, are of inactive Hawks players, meaning they either got traded or retired or are not playing. If we include not playing, then I have no jerseys of active Hawks members. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. My first foray into another team's jersey was the LA Kings. Got the Drew Doughty jersey. Still pumped about that one. And I'm thinking, you know, I had, uh, I was on the computer the other day and I had all these tabs pulled up. I had an Andre Vasilevsky jersey pulled up. I had a Shesterkin jersey pulled up. I had a, a Kachetkov jersey pulled up, which is cool because he's on the Chicago, or was on the Chicago Wolves. Now he's up in the uh, Carolina Hurricanes organization. And then I was thinking, I was like, oh, Allmark, well, that would be a good one as well. Side note, this is the second point I was going to get to. The Hawks just played uh, Boston a couple days ago, at least at the time of me filming this. And uh, the Hawks laid a beating on the Bruins, 6-3. to three. Now, this is funny to me because the Hawks are almost dead last, save for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Boston is dead first. And to see the Hawks beat Boston, it was kind of funny. I'm sorry, Robert, I know you're a Boston fan, but I just... Hey, I you know, I got to get my wins where I can get my wins. It has not been a very promising season, so I got to celebrate where I can celebrate. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for the comment. And I'm so glad that um, you dug Huston Dalton guitars. That's awesome. I, you know, I, I kind of take it for granted that everybody knows all these guitar manufacturers, and that's just not the case. So I'm glad that that episode helped you out by discovering another manufacturer. Uh, next up is a comment also from the Huss and Dalton episode. It comes from Scoggers. He says this, Hey, Tony, cool focus on Huss and Dalton. Question, with regards to the model with the larger sound hole, what's your experience of how this affects the tone and volume of the guitar? I've been told that a larger sound hole increases the volume as it can project better or it decreases the volume and affects tone as there is a similar soundboard, as there is a smaller soundboard to resonate. It can't be both. But not having played any guitars with a larger than standard sound hole, I'm not sure which. So I'll just share with you my experience of a larger sound hole guitar. Um, in my experience, specifically on Rosewood guitars, the larger the sound hole, the more clear the guitar is, the less uh, woof it has. Sometimes with, with large bodied Rosewood guitars, think Rosewood Dreadnought, like a D28 style guitar, Generally, there's this, this mass of mid to low frequencies that can almost drown out the high frequencies, but also muddy the bass. When that sound hole is enlarged, I believe it adds some clarity and articulation, almost removing that quote unquote woof. Um, I haven't noticed necessarily there being a significant volume increase or decrease. To me, it's more of a tonal impact, but again, that's just my experience. So I wanted to answer that question as best I could. Thank you for the question. That was an awesome one. And then finally, uh, this, this final comment comes from episode 279, the Muddy Waters guitar style episode. It comes from Jack Mulligan. He says, I can still remember my first encounter with Muddy's music. I was a freshman in college and someone in the dorm dropped the tone arm on the album Fathers and Sons. I was riveted then and have been a fan ever since. Thanks for the insightful episode. Uh, thank you, Jack. Thank, for the, thank you for the comment. And I, I love 
You know, I love thinking back to when you first discovered an artist. And for me, I have to say my Uncle Paul played a huge role in me discovering Muddy Waters. And it was the same thing. It was the um, Hardigan album. And you know, Uncle Paul used to drive me to my dad's work. And then my dad would take me to hockey practice from his work. So on that drive to my dad's work with my Uncle Paul... Um, we would listen to, it was a blues, it was a blues station. I, I, it was a, maybe a blues hour on a local radio station. Anyways, uh, uh, Manish Boy came on and I was like, my head kind of snapped around. I mean, I was in a heavy metal at this point, but I was just like, what is happening here? Um, and that was my first exposure to Muddy Waters. So uh, thanks, Uncle Paul and Jack. Thank you for sharing your first encounter with Muddy Waters as well, or your first encounter with his music. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, dive right into the next, uh, your second dose of acoustic news you can use. And the first story comes from Trey Hensley. You know, Trey gets a lot of questions on Instagram about his playing style, uh, gear, etc. Trey has a mighty guitar snow, a guitar snow that is, uh, packs a punch, that is for sure. And he just started a YouTube series where he not only answers questions, but shares gear and, and playing tips. It's called Bending Your Ear, and here's a quick little sample of it right now. And I bought a Robert Johnson record and it blew my mind and I started getting way into to blues music and I got into B.B. King. And so that really led me down the path of bending guitar strings. At that point, I started playing more electric guitar too. And then I kind of put it over into my acoustic playing. But anyway, you know, where before the most bending I would do would be that little half note sort of. You know, that was about the extent of my bending. Uh, and then I would listen to B.B., you know. guitar but I really wanted to do it on acoustic guitar so literally what I did was just sit and practice that and I would play the notes together so until they matched and really it's an ear training thing I mean I play by ear anyway um, and so I would you know I would I've always tried to practice with intent I'll make notes of what I want to learn, whether it be, you know, songs, licks, a particular solo, uh, and I'll try to work on things throughout the week. That was one of the things I really wanted to work on was learning how to bend without changing my string gauge, without changing my action setup. Um, and so I would just literally work on that bend, you know. So make sure to subscribe to Trey's YouTube channel. Give him a follow. Check out the episode. It's really cool to sit down and, in a way, almost just kind of sit there and have a conversation with him. Um, just great stuff. He has a wealth of information and, uh, well, just a darn right phenomenal player and a true, true guitar geek uh, deep down at his core. Uh, next up is a duo, a folk duo, that I just discovered, I think, by accident. I can't remember who posted this. Maybe it was Riddy Armin. I think it was Riddy Armin uh, posted it in her stories, and it was this folk duo, two females. I, I didn't even I didn't even do enough research to, to get their name. I, that's bad on me. My bad on that. Um, the duo's name is Mama's Broke, and they just were on NPR's Tiny Desk, 
And this performance had me riveted. I mean, I was just like, how did I not know about these two? Just awesome. And if you like folk music, if you like banjo, if you like fiddle, if you like vocals, if you like guitar, you probably like these, these, these gals. Um, really great stuff. Let's go ahead and listen to him play right now. I'm gonna wrap up this acoustic news section with a doozy, with a dandy, with a whammy, with a other adjective that I can't think of right now. Uh, the Fretboard Summit just announced dates for this summer's Fretboard Summit at the Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago. It is happening August 24th through the 26th, 2023. Yes, this summer, right at the tail end of August, there's so much goodness wrapped up here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give you a little insight as to what my brain is doing right now. First of all, I booked an Airbnb for this event like months ago, before they even released the dates. I had a suspicion it was gonna be at the end of August, so I just booked a chunk of Airbnb and thought to myself, well, I'll be there. I'll be visiting my son, I may as well attend the Fretboard Summit if it's happening. Lo and behold, it is happening. Again, August 24th through the 26th, 2023. Now, you can check out the website fretboardsummit.org to learn more about it. When you go to this website, there's at least the current version right now, there's four pictures on the, the, the header of the website. And I gotta tell you, this to me communicates how awesome the Fretboard Summit is. On the left, you've got a headstock of a mule caster, just plain cool. The second picture is a picture of the Old Town School music store, where I used to work. But if you look closely, you see Linda Manzer and Ken Parker in the Old Town School music store. This is the fretboard summit, ladies and gentlemen. You have world-renowned luthiers walking around, being guitar geeks, right alongside you, okay? The next picture is an Isaac Jang OM guitar that I had the chance to play that blew my doors off. If I was a car, my doors would be just shot to the side of the road. And then finally, you got a picture of Molly Tuttle. That, this, these four pictures communicate the awesomeness of the Fretboard Summit. But make sure to check out that website again, fretboardsummit.org, uh, to learn more about the, the festival or the summit, I should say. And uh, if you're checking on prices, they are announcing, or they just released the VIP three-day all access, which I, re I recommend. I believe it's a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I, I'm looking right at it and I can't find it. Doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's all three days of the summit. And the price, I believe, is reduced from last year. Uh, the price for this year is $350. That's for all three days. Tons of workshops, concerts, and just, exposure to some of the most amazing guitars you'll see. It's like it's like a trifecta. You learn, you get to enjoy music being played, and you get to see guitars that are built by, again, some world-renowned luthiers. So again, fretboardsummit.org. You can learn about tickets there. You can learn about the, the summit there. It's just, um, I'll be there. I'll be there. And check this out. 
My birthday, this is the last little moment of goodness and then we'll wrap up the show. My birthday is August 29th, okay? So the fretboard summit, at least for these last two years, has fallen right around my birthday. Now this year, this year, I'm turning 40 on August 29th. So I couldn't think of a better moment in time than to go to Chicago and spend my last days of my 30s soaking up all the guitar goodness that the Fredboard Summit has to offer. So it's gonna be an awesome year for me personally, but uh, it's gonna be even uh, awesomer uh, by going to the Fredboard Summit. And I hope to see you there. So if you plan on going to the Fredboard Summit, let me know in the comments below. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to say hi. I met so many Acoustic Tuesday viewers last year, so many Tony's Acoustic Challenge members last year, and it was just a, I don't know, it just made me feel good. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. So uh, if that's any indicator of how awesome it is, it's pretty darn awesome. And on those beautiful notes, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, yes, we're gonna take a sneak peek into next week and next week. Next week, we're gonna continue the resonator train. You know, uh, we looked at, uh, what did we look at today? I'm just looking at my notes. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm losing it. Uh, today, we looked at my national guitars. Tomorrow, Tomorrow. <laughs> Let's rewind for a second, shall we? Today, we looked at my national guitars. Next week on the Acoustic Tuesday Show, we'll be looking at my Mule Resonator guitars and how two of them are almost identical. However, they sound incredibly different. You'll learn about that next week on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And before I let you go today, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it for yourself, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Fun should be your top priority. Plain and simple, exclamation point, end statement. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Thank you for being a guitar geek, and I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday Show. Cheers to you, Guitar Geeks Unite.